Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. of Studios in Dublin, welcome to Mother Folklore, a podcast of words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. It's Misha Dara Khoshay. It's Misha Alaba Jakodumi. Augustus Misha Pather Okoivonik. And we're delighted to bring a very special guest to you all today. He is the Gaelgore who needs no introduction, so I'm not going to give you an introduction. What's that name? Yeah, it's Misha Hector Hockon. Yay! Yay! Hector is one of the first breakthrough stars from TG Cahar. From what was the Amu the Amu series? Amu, yeah, I suppose Amu started back in two thousand. Um, mm-hmm. It was my first job on television, and we went to America for three months to find Irish people in quirky jobs. And it's funny how it worked out that when they saw the cut and what we had recorded in mm-hmm. in America, that the, I had more crack walking down the streets <laughs> and just interacting with locals. Mm. <laughs> and then by the time the second series was commissioned for Europe, which was six months after America, it was just going, give a camera, give him a clue, <laughs> and let him walk around the streets. <laughs> let's just, let's just send this sham around the world. Yeah, let's, just send this, let's just send this Navin blackguard uh, across the world and walk along the streets. And that's what I've been doing for 20 years with the same two guys with Evan Chamberlain from Mount Bellew on Cragon in Galway, who's been producing our show from the word go, and Ross O'Callaghan, a.k.a. Roscoe. Mm. Uh, it's mad when you're in a supermarket and you're looking to see which sort of Hellman's mayonnaise will you buy, mm-hmm. or how, what's the value of the three-pack for John West's tuna, mm. and somebody <laughs> interrupts your your line of thought and they say, hey, Hector, love the show, and how's Roscoe? And Roscoe, <laughs> <laughs> Roscoe has been with me uh, for, and Evan have been with us for about 87 shows uh, over 20 wow. years, mm. Uh, mm. and we've travelled mm. so far and so wide. It's incredible with the same two guys. They're my brothers, brothers in arms, mm. brothers in Irish, and brothers in travel. How did you get a TV show? Uh, I got my first break on... Uh, 1996 wow. I did it no let's go back a bit I was living mm-hmm. on the Aran Islands mm. I lived on Inishman for nearly two years I wanted to, uh, to go somewhere they were got out fear Gael and I wanted mm-hmm. to go to a pure Gaeltacht and I wanted to go my mother was from Galway originally and when you grow up in Navin Galway and the Aran Islands seem like a million miles mm. away mm-hmm. uh, I always had a grow for the west and I moved to Inishman with a couple of other blackguards. Mm. I had a pair of dungarees. I had an Inspiral Carpets t-shirt, t-shirt, Happy Mondays t-shirt, Stone Roses. You're getting the vibe. Mm. <laughs> uh, all a growing boy needs. And yeah. All we need. And we blast packed about 20 flagons of Linden Village from Galway with us as we got on the Rose of Aaron from Russellville. Mm. So I was in Inishman mm. and then I met a girl. I'd met a girl at the Oireachtas in 1989. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I asked her to dance a Claire set. And I danced it with her. She asked me to dance or I asked her and it went on for 45 minutes like all good Claire set dancing. Yeah. <laughs> I married that girl years and years and years later on one of the series, Dipna from County Clare, who's in, who's all her family are in the Kilfenora Cayley band. But cut a long story short, I was on the Aran Islands 
I moved from the Aran Islands to the Basque country. Dimna, who was my girlfriend at the time, was working in the GMIT. And she sent me a, an ad that was on the wall in the canteen for a brand new Irish language television station starting. Television mm. Agoilge. And mm. she said to me in a letter, she sent the letter and she, she sent me the, a copy mm. of, the, mm. of the poster. And she said, there's a new TV station starting. I think you'd be good at this. You'd love your Irish. You love speaking Irish. Mm. Go for it. So I sent in a CV and I'll never forget it. And Michal O'Malley, who was the commissioning editor of TG Car for almost 15 years or more, I made a, a CV in orange luminous paper and I sent it to him and it got his attention. <laughs> and I imagine it did. <laughs> they were auditioning for a, a show called Eva, and uh, it was a fashion show in 1996, and it was terrible. Everyone got fired on it except me. It was a magazine type fashion show. <laughs> and from that, I went back on the dole. Then Adair Productions in the year 1999 were, were, were asking for somebody to go to America to find Irish people in a quirky job. I went to Monkstown where Adair Productions were based. They had an Ashdor, a Colleen, Aulus Groshi, if she was like in the army. Hector was just going to walk around the streets of Monkstown. She's in the <laughs> army. She's in North Carolina. She's from Spittle. She's got Irish and you're going to talk to her. So mm. we walked around Monkstown a la North Carolina. You're in the army. Mm. <laughs> they rang me the next day on my Oh, chunky, chunky mobile at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I jumped around the kitchen with my girlfriend at the time saying, I got the job, I got the job, I'm going to America. And that's how I got my first start on television. Wow. And uh, yeah, that was yeah. it, 1996. 96 was my first show and then 2000 we started travelling. Yeah. Amazing. And you weren't brought up with Irish, but do you think you'd be working in media now if it wasn't for the Irish no. language? I, first of all, I owe everything to the language because in with the language... I got my confidence in Colossian and Navin in the summer colleges in the Gaeltacht that I went to. Uh, I started in Colossian Navin in Rakarn in 1978 as an eight-year-old. My mum had the foresight and wiseness. Being a Galway woman, she her she remembers her grandmother and grandfather speaking it back in the day behind Tume and the official mm. the Gaeltachts in in in, Gal in Galway stretch out by Kong and come back by Clonbur and mm. there was a lot of Irish like Balliaclar and Galiva is an official Gaeltacht where I'm living, but back then there was a lot more Irish. But she decided to send us three boys, mm. me and my two brothers, to Rakarn. Yeah. So I got my Irish there. But I developed the confidence to be a Kuntor and I developed the confidence to go out in front of the Kaloshta and teach them songs mm. and do uh, ad-lib stuff and do the scurryoch, the drammy. I was big into recreating Bob Marley songs off Gaelia with my group of the, the kids I was looking after and taking popular songs and changing them into Irish. But I got all my confidence speaking Irish from the summer college, from Kalosh mm. Naveen. Then I went to Inishman. Then TG Cahar started. And I would be nowhere without... Though that those little steps, you know, mm. that's where mm. we're lying yeah. the language. I fell in love with the language when I was 13 mm. years of age, 14, 15, 16. Did I ever think I would travel the world speaking Irish for a, a national TV channel in Ireland? It's mm. just, it, it doesn't bear thinking about. No, it, because you couldn't even imagine that. Mm. You've been, uh, you've been with TG Carr as it is now since almost the very beginning. Mm. I mean, I remember, I remember uh, getting the day off in primary school to go home and watch the first day of, of, of TG Carr <laughs> Halloween, 1990. Was it 1996? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mockness, Mockness, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, like, how has the station changed over the last while? Because they've obviously held on to, they know when they're on a good thing, like they're still sending some Halion from Avon around the world <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> to speak Irish. Uh, but they've, they, 
they've they've evolved as well and they've become a, a sort of a different station than it was 23 years ago. How yeah. have you found it? I think they're what has always been with TG Carr and I've worked for all the t- channels. I'm a freelancer, so I'm only as good as my last show. I don't work full time for anybody. So it's a freelancer world. Sometimes mm. you're busy, sometimes you're not busy. Mm. And I've always been that. But I've remained my independence where I can create my own shows. Mm. Mm. TG Carr for me has always been a family. I know everybody in that studio. Mm. I I know everyone in the graphics department. I know everyone in the promos department. Mm. I know everybody in the in all departments there. And I really feel that when you make a show for TG Carr that you have the support of a broadcaster, which mm. is very important for independent producers mm. and people who come up with ideas for making on their own documentaries or series or whatever, that you feel as if you're not just doing it, you're not just churning it out, but there's a, I suppose that comes with maybe a hundred people working there versus a place where there's a couple of thousand civil servants mm. working there mm-hmm. um, who are on full-time contracts and who are on civil servant wages and they, it doesn't really matter what mm. happens because they're paid by the government. Uh, TG Carr has always been a family and they've always had the support of the commissioning editors. When a commissioning editor really believes in your show and just lets you lets you go, I suppose, was anybody, I could never have dreamt to be in the play by Manchin speaking Irish or to do the stuff <laughs> you've done or stripping with the Chippendale speaking Irish or being on the set of a porn movie speaking Irish or any of the stuff we've done. I suppose I brought Irish around the world, but I brought it back to your sitting room because you're only a couple of feet away. Uh, and we never designed it like that or planned it like that. But TG Cahar is the parish. It understands what the parish is. It understands who we are in this country and what makes us tick. Mm. And that's a nav man saying tick. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what makes me tick. It must be the way it's taught. (laughs) What what do you think? Like with sport and with the, with, Mm. you know, with the music and with the, with, Mm. you know, even rerunning all Ireland gold, the dubs from the seventies. It's just a gem of the station. The thing about TG Carr is like, and it's like anything, anything in the Irish language, if it's going to be good, a TV show in the Irish language, it doesn't have to be, if it's going to hit mainstream popularity, if people are going to notice it and they're going to pay attention to it, Mm. it doesn't just have to be as good as the English TV shows or the English TV stations. It has to be that bit better. Yeah. It has yeah. to be that bit better yeah, so people good, don't yeah. look at it and go like, oh sure, it's only getting made because it's Irish. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a reason that you've got a new show, which which we are gonna we are gonna talk about today. Mm. You've got a you've got a new show because that that model, that and and to be fair, you and Roscoe and everybody else involved in it, like it works and people look at it and they go and it, and it has as Larry said crossover appeal like you know yes. what I mean it's not yes. just it's not just the people you met in Inishman who are watching I think <laughs> yeah. I can't remember way back I think 5,000 people watched our first show uh, and then it snowballed it just snowballed and then we won four IFTAs on one night mm. I'll never forget putting on a dress suit coming to Dublin to win awards for a television show but we, Nicky Byrne from Westlife came up and congratulated me and this was like <laughs> this is like this is like 2002. <laughs> and we're all sitting with tuxedos and the women are dressed up, Caroline and mm. Rachel and the Roscoe and Evan and we're sitting at a table. We have three of these statuettes in front of us. Bono presented me with one of them. I had been on the stage three times and I think I, read, I did a rendition by the third time when I collected an IFTA, an Irish Film and TV Award. I sang She the Walmoe. Live <laughs> <laughs> no, in a big gal. Just for all the Donnybrook Dublin foreheads. <laughs> she the Walmoe, she the Walmoe. And it was brilliant. It was like, <laughs> but like the it's been a great journey with that mm. show, and and now to be making like you know we're making hour long shows, we're making four hundred minutes of telly, and I know what you're saying as well. 
I have a great team and, and, and you know, mm-hmm. behind the scenes with the great editor, Colin O'Carroll, um, and all the people who work on it, and even the grading, the guys who put colour on it. But Roscoe is in the top five cameramen in the country. He's away now on SAS Who Dares Wins as director of photography in this highlands of Scotland. Last year he was in, he was off with them in South America. He's won a, he's won a BAFTA for grand designs. Like this is a mm-hmm. serious, we bring about 80 grand's worth of camera equipment with he us. Does, he he's does a, grand designs. He does grand designs. Well, he's a, always <laughs> on my God. He's a serious, <laughs> he's a, but when you have a cameraman in the middle of the Serengeti or in the middle of the Amazon or in the middle of Alabama, he goes, come here, have a look at this, have a look at this. And I go over and I see what he's doing. I go, man, I'm so lucky that I have so many really good people around me working because they all put it together. I just keep, I just carry the, the mojo on front of the screen. But if there's no mojo behind the screen, yeah, it's yeah. teamwork mm, and there. Yeah. It's such a pleasure to be in a group of people making something and creating mm. something. Um, no more than mother folklore, like a podcast or anything. You need good people. Everybody yeah. needs good people around them. And I'm lucky mm. to have those guys. Yeah. yeah. And really. as well as your travel shows on TG Carrier, you're also a presenter with Flat TV. Do you enjoy doing that as much? That's the only other show I do on television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm quite selfish in that way. I don't like going on other people's shows. I don't like going on <laughs> chat, ch- chat shows. I don't like going on celebrity cooking shows. I don't like going on couches just talking rubbish because I feel that Ireland is a bit saturated with shite on television. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I like doing my own stuff and I like the vibe of Flat TV mm. because I'm married to a Clare woman and the Kilfenora Cayley Band is all her side of the family, the greatest Cayley Band in the world. They're the Rolling Stones of Cayley Music. Oh yeah. 119 years on the go. I got snookered into doing it because of the banner and uh, my wife is from Clare. And then I realised that this is a, a Glastonbury type show where you have 12 hours of live music of the best of Irish and modern Irish music and best of trad coming live from the streets of a, of a town. I said, this is this is who we are again. Mm-hmm. So I'd done it. and I, I think it's, be- it's better than Glastonbury because if you watch the BBC broadcast of Glastonbury, it's all set pieces and now we have Stormzy up on stage. Everybody <laughs> watching. There's 100,000 people watching Stormzy. But the best bits of flat TV is like we're after catching Lehman Wainley with his shoes off in the middle of the street yeah. singing yeah. Collier Canarigan with two yeah, lads. From, I, <laughs> yeah, I see your point. What I mean about Glastonbury is that type of production. When you see them up on the hill and you see the, li- the fair and the and the lights behind and they're talking about break, artists breaking through. I suppose that's the vibe of, you know, a Glastonbury type, yeah. three or four nights, multi-stage, multi-artist and, and that's what Flat TV but is a, evolving it's into. it's an unreal amount of talent that's broadcast though. Like yeah. how, we were just talking before we started recording. How much live music do you record? Uh, 12 hours. Wow. It's 130 people on the crew and it's 12 yeah. hours of live music from yeah, Thursday Yeah, I remember to when I was working, you were working as a runner. Yeah. <laughs> you were working on it. That's where we first yeah. met. Yeah, I was a runner for a presenter so that's how we met, yeah. And you know an interesting thing about Flat TV and, and again, TG Carr giving it the platform. Like where else in the world will you have the greatest musicians playing with an under 12 or 14 or under 16 champion is just after winning the under 16 fiddle and he comes out on the street and then plays fiddle with with legends. Where would you have, last year I had Matt Malloy. Like if God created flute players, yeah. it's Matt Malloy. He's the greatest flute player the world has ever seen and ever will see. But yet he's prepared to sit down with a 14-year-old from Sligo who's just won the All-Ireland under 14 championship mm-hmm. at the FLA mm. and they sit there and it's the master and the apprentice. There's no other genre of music in the world where you would get the best mixing it with a 14 year old and yeah. that's mm. why again that's in our DNA and that's why we are such a unique little race sandwich in between Trump and Brexit. <laughs> Speaking of uh... no, no, no. <laughs> no 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 Trump I mean, we'll get to Trump in a while <laughs> this is So 
Like I think when when the the Amu series is coming out, there was a it, it, it arrived at the same time people were backpacking around the world. People are Irish people coming back from Argentina and Mexico for the, the oh, first yeah. kinds of times. <laughs> it, 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 it captured this moment when 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 people uh, when people were really catching the travel bug in a big way. There's a slightly different dynamic to doing a travel show about America in 2019. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's why we picked it. Yeah, and we picked it because. We wanted to show another slice of the continent that is America because there's mm. so much news coming out of this place at the moment. It's mm. on the tip of everyone's tongue. Whether you, Whatever you think of the president of America, he is everything he is. He's a liar, he's a bigot, he's a misogynist, he's a sexist, he's, a, he's, he's, he's deceitful, he's cunning, he's skillful. Whether you like him or not, and what we're fed on the news feed over here, the news media in America and definitely down the South, there's a different perception that he wasn't part of the establishment that he's creating jobs and any of the cities that we've been to on this series, Atlanta, mm. San Antonio, Houston, Phoenix, anywhere we've been, these cities are booming. America's economy is back on track and booming. Construction is booming. Manufacturing is booming. And Donald Trump, Barack Obama squeezed the middle classes. And I spoke to African-American, black American who said that they hated Obama they couldn't mm. take it anymore just because you were black you didn't you didn't uh, vote for Obama so we tried to dispel all these myths he's a very popular politician in America whether we like it or not and I believe he's going to have a landslide getting back in because he's not part of the establishment he's managed to convince everyone he's not part of the establishment that's that's mm. probably the he's not part the greatest of the, trick he's he ever part, I'll tell you what like. he is part of he is part of a, di of a of a rich ogliarch society who was given a million quid back in the middle of the 70s by his grandfather to start his foot and he lost all that because he's you know but they had they had money but what I'm saying is he's not part of a, a cyclical political dynasty like the Clintons yeah. they couldn't take any more of the Clintons and he he hoodwinked them in if you're sitting in a bar in rural Mississippi having a few Miller lights and he's there going I'm going to build a wall and I'm going to create jobs and I'm going to open that factory they all bought it they got him in mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but America's economy unfortunately is doing well whether you like Trump or not and you were talking there about some African Americans or black Americans that actually hated Obama and prefer Trump. Yes. But many in the community do feel that Trump is a backlash on the first black president. Yeah. Mm. And you know, Donald Trump isn't the one that came up with white supremacy, right? This is 400 mm. years. We celebrated 400 years of black slavery there a couple of a month or two months ago uh, while, while we were in America. Uh, Donald Trump is just like, I'll tell you what he is. He's like a really bad pimple that you've had on your skin for 400 years and that's what America is in certain things and you've picked it and it's popped and Donald Trump is that. Donald Trump is just uh, he's just he is what he is but the, the problems of America go right back you know and he's trying to make America great again so this is the problem that I have with this. I'm not saying I follow Donald Trump but everyone I did down the south like him. He's trying to make America great again mm -hmm. but who was America great for? in the first place. Yeah. Mm, that's the question. <laughs> it was never good. Yeah. It was never great for any black black people. Mm. It was never good for the Irish Irish immigrants that come in mm. or the Italians. And you take mm. those people or the Hispanics, you take those people out of America and it has it will fall apart at the seams. 
but mm. the problems had been going on for 400 years. Trump is just a manifestation of that. This mm. is that we obviously were very interested in language in all its in all its forms on this show, and the the very fact that that those four words make America great again. The, the again is like the is the is the critical one there. It's like taking mm. back control in Brexit. Mm. Mm. The way if it was just taking control, that would be one thing. But taking we're back living control. in a world of extremes, aren't we? Yeah. This is the problem with the the world at the moment. It's extremes, extreme terrorism, extreme gun violence, extreme politics, extreme weather. It's just a world of extremes and it's not a nice place at the moment. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, you have to go with the extreme in politics, particularly if you're going to do something, if you're going to try and do something radical. Like if you're going to try and be the outsider, you're not going to win a campaign by saying make America uh, all right. Yes. Yeah. Make America yeah, grand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's what we said with the rugby team. Yeah, uh, yeah we'll be, actually we're only beaten by the All Blacks, we'll be grand. We'll be grand, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're just hammered by the All Blacks and we have a party. But Hector, we're the best fans in the world. We are. <laughs> We've got, some, we've got some, we've got, look, I sat with Faya Toure, the first black female African-American judge in Alabama. Mm. What a powerful lady in Selma. I sat with her for wow. the day and we wow. were on the bridge and I met people that were on the bridge in Selma and I wanted to go deep into this. Mm. I wanted to go into these worlds and we have so much stories in every show where I wanted to go into the world of the Af black African-American community and I wanted to go into the world of the Mexican-Americans. When do you ever hear that word? Mexican-Americans. The mm. millions of Mexicans that are living happily in San Antonio and all through Texas and all through New Mexico and all through uh, all down the south who are happily living there speaking their language and so much they've added to the Latino culture Yeah. so mm. there's all this in it's a melting pot at the moment mm. and we drove our jeep right into the heart of this melting pot that is the south and do you feel that possibly they felt more comfortable to open up to you in the show because you're Irish because often pe people of colour in America want to maybe associate more with like you know white Irish people rather than maybe white Americans yeah I mm. think the calling card of being Irish in America is like a, it's like a bouncer standing mm. at, the, at the disco when your friends are refused mm. and you walk up and you say you're Irish they just open the door and let you in mm. and then he's, he's with you him 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 <laughs> the calling card is amazing um, the, the Irish it's an amazing thing that we have that standing especially in America there's a respect for us and there's an intrigue and there's a there's a there's almost a uh, there is a respect that we're Irish and there's a love for the Irish over there, which is quite incredible. Mm -hmm. And I, I learned an interesting fact on the series when I was in New Orleans that so many tens of thousands of Irish who came on the boats came in through the port of New Orleans, mm -hmm. not just through Boston and not just through New York, but through New Orleans. And New Orleans is a whole Irish quarter, which mm -hmm. is quite incredible to think. And that's the way they went up through. But who was America great for? It was never great for an awful lot of people. Mm. And there are an awful lot of people who are in America now who was never great for. So it's an interesting one. Join us in Dublin on the 17th of November. We'll be taking part in the Dublin Podcast Festival. We're going to do a double header in the Grand Social with the amazing Irish Passport. So not to be missed. If you're around Dublin, look up Dublin Podcast Festival on Twitter or you can go to DublinPodcastFestival.com. We tend to 
ignore the uh, the Southern Irish. You know, we're, we're not not the so, not the Southern part of Ireland, but mm-hmm. the the Irish in the Southern United States. We tend to ignore that. We look at, back at when we learn about Irish emigration. It is New York. It's Boston, and we built those cities. And there's like nothing about the the thousands of Irish people who would have fought on the Confederate side yes, in the Civil War. You're right. Who built cities like Harrisburg, and who built cities like Birmingham, and who built like didn't build New Orleans. That was the French. That's why it's still standing even after that hurricane and everything like that. Uh, but we we were there and like there were even General Philip Sheridan was a general in the Confederate Army. Yes. This is all wiped out of our cultural memory because yeah. we like being on the side that was anti-slavery. We like being the good guys. But mm. the Irish, we do have a role to play in, in the oppression of mm. minorities who were treated worse than us over absolutely. there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there was there's a the, the Irish imprint. I just think it's unbelievable that where we've gone to around and I've been in, in most far-flung places in the world and I've always bumped into people uh, especially Irish people who travelled it's been in our DNA since we started taking the boats out of Mayo and Galway in the West Coast and anyone who's ever emigrated from this country we're unique in that way and there's not a, there's not a state or a town in America where there's not an Irish influence but the South mm-hmm. is just such an it's like even though we went through eight states they're like eight different countries yeah. And Alabama and Georgia and Mississippi on this first couple of shows are just so unique. And then Louisiana. Mm. And people have the term redneck yeah. and mm. hillbilly. And I, I find that offensive now after being down there. Yeah. We use the word culture in this country and it's very, very similar. These are people who understand the land. Yeah. These are people who understand the outdoor life. They like fishing. They like hunting. They like throwing on the barbecue. They have great weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're outdoor people. And they're very, very proud of that down the south. Um it's a beautiful, geographically, it's it's spectacular. The sun, the desert, when you get to New Mexico, you know, the red desert, the, the canyons, the blue skies, the giant green cactus, hippies, people who want to get off the grid, head to New Mexico and Arizona. Mm-hmm. Breaking Bad, I went to Albuquerque, a massive Breaking Bad fan. Oh, wow. no. To be in Albuquerque <laughs> and see places that were, oh, that, that, this, this is the hot dog place where they got the hot dog and Jesse collected the gun here and I was like a... <laughs> Pig is there a lot of Los Hermanos Poyos? Los Hermanos Poyitos! I couldn't wait, you know, when you get towards Texas, you can fit Ireland 10 times into Texas. And um, the first couple of shows will be fairly hard hitting because there's some really deep themes on it mm-hmm. because we're in Mississippi, because we're in mm-hmm. Alabama. I spoke to a guy who was in the Ku Klux Klan for 38 years yeah. as a chief recruiter. At 14 years of age, he got on a bus mm-hmm. and went to Tupelo. And he became a member of the Ku Klux Klan and they became a great grand wizard. He recruited over 115,000 white men in 38 years to join the Ku Klux Klan. Wow. (laughs) But he wanted to leave because Mm. after 38 years, in the back of his mind, he had a love for the woman who minded him, who was there when he was born. His nanny was black Mm. and he always had something in the back of his mind that he it wasn't right what he was doing, but Holy he shit. did it. And I sat with him on his porch and he told me this story and he said, I went back to see her and I hadn't seen her in 37 years and she was 98 years of age and the lady who minded him for the first 12 years of his life, this black lady opened the door and she opened her arms and she said, I forgive you. I knew oh, you'd wow. always come back. Mm. And I'm sitting on the porch in deepest Mississippi mm. listening to these stories and I asked him, is the white supremacy and is the Ku Klux still as, is it still here? And he said, it's in everywhere. It's not gone away. So that's, there's so yeah. much stuff going on. It's mm. such a, and um, that's the topics I wanted to cover because we're making hour long shows. Mm. Yeah. And I think there's going to be great content and I want to, I don't tell you, I just let the, I want the audience to make their decisions and their, 
let the audience decide mm -hmm. what, what they're seeing and what they're hearing mm -hmm. on, on camera. So we've got some great stuff. And I suppose the show's evolved from walking around <coughs> Bangkok and having the crack on the streets. Yes, you can have the crack, but I want to get more. I just like talking to people yeah. And, yeah. and hearing their stories. Mm -hmm. does, it, like, does something like that ever make you feel for your, fear for your personal safety? Like, have you ever been in a situation either through this more recent one, USA Coast to Coast, or even when you were a Moo, like it's only a small crew of Irish lads in far-flung territories. Have you ever felt the only, And I've said this before, the only place in 20 years that we felt un, unsafe and in danger was when we stayed in a hotel near the Zocalo in Mexico City. And it was about 10 years ago. Mexico City, I think, is the biggest urban dwelling in the world. It's bigger than Bombay. I think there's 40-something million. Rudy Giuliani was sent down there when we were there to have the zero tolerance. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a Mexico City. We felt they, they thought we were me American. Gringo. Oye, gringo, dame el dinero. Give me money and all this. Gringo, gringo. They think gringo mm -hmm. is a term for an American. Not mm -hmm. a white man. I say, oh yeah, no soy gringo, soy irlandés. Oh yeah, no sabía. I didn't know that. Then, <laughs> because I speak lang the lang that language, I, I, I'd be fairly going, man, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not American here. Yeah. And then they would stop. We felt there was a tension on the streets of Mexico and there is a tension in Mexico in certain places with the cartels. And, and we touched on all that with the walls and we did a lot of stories on that as well. But Mexico mm. City was the only place we felt unsafe. And mm. I just felt it really bad that every night if we were going out for something to eat. Too many people are going into Mexico City. So as I was going to the bank machine, there was a little sort of door, you went into a little foyer area and there was a Mexican family sleeping there every night. They would go in and use it at 11 o'clock at night and I'd be stepping over little kids that were asleep and stuff. And uh, mm. uh, just stuff like that really hit me about not feeling unsafe, but just feeling, and because I can speak the language, I have an affinity with Central America and mm. South America yeah. and the struggle that these people have in trying to find a better life. And unfortunately, Mexico City is not the answer because there's too many people there. And too many people causes poverty. Poverty causes crime. And there's money in crime and poverty. Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to say Kells. <laughs> That's a sad story, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Stepping over a family. How, how, oh, like, the terrible. world we live in. Yeah. You know, the world we live in. Yeah. They, they're from the countryside looking for a better life. Mm. So I'm not finding but no, it. no, you know, you can be in a bad place, the wrong place, at the wrong time. Outside supermarkets at three o'clock in the morning could be the wrong place. At the wrong time. <laughs> it's uh, and there are other chippers, by the way. <laughs> there, are, there are other chippers, but it's it's funny that I suppose I, a friend of mine used to be a court reporter, and they'd say every Monday morning when they were doing the court reports, it would be um, almost all the incidents are from a, a particular um, um, fast food restaurant at three in the morning. Uh, when <laughs> well, I know for a fact the Gardaí, the Gardaí in Ireland pray for rain. <clears throat> Once there's rain, there's no. There's yeah. no hanging about. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you take your curry cheese chips <laughs> and you leg it. <laughs> you leg it. You leg it. <laughs> but uh, no, touch wood, we, we look after each other when we're on the road. We don't mm. look around looking like we're tourists. One of the famous bits on one of the shows uh, was very famous in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, I was walking along Ipanema Beach Mm -hmm. And I was saying, guy comes up to me live on the camera. It's a classic bit of a mm -hmm. moo. And he tries to say hello to me. Hola, hola, falas portugues. I say, yeah, yeah. He tries to shake my hand, tries to steal my watch. <laughs> <laughs> and this is classic now. We might, I don't know if you put visuals with a podcast, but it will work. <laughs> I ran after him. I said, hija puta, give him a kick on the arse. I said, I'll 
fucking kill you, man. <laughs> I ran after him. I gave a boot. Roscoe ran. We all ran. And he legged it. He didn't get my watch, but it was live on camera. Yeah. So I turned around and I went, No, Biach Mar Torosor. A walk is your vision. So we yeah, let it yeah, roll. Yeah, yeah, Great yeah. bit of television. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great bit of TV. That was one of my favourite bits about Amu and, and hopefully Coastal to Coast as well. Is just the fact that you're going to these places where the vernacular isn't Irish. You can turn around and make an observation to the camera, and there's a sort of a level of honesty to it that even Louis Theroux or any of those boys can't do. Yes. Mm. Because you can turn around and say, you know, you see, because I remember one of them when Amu America, yes. was, you're talking to people with some really fucked up out there beliefs, and you can just turn straight to the camera and go, and the boy's sitting there going, yeah, you tell him, Hector, yeah. And you see, up comes the subtitle for it. And that's what I meant earlier, that even though somebody could be watching this in Longford and I'm in the middle of the Amazon jungle, I'm only five foot from your TV and I'm 10,000 miles away from you, but I'm bringing my language into your television yeah. mm. with the subtitle. And that's what exactly. I'm very proud of. Of course, Gaelgori will watch my show. And yeah. of course, Gaelgori have always watched my show, but we always strive to get a new audience to TG Carr and to my show and to bring them into the world of a love of our national language mm. um, and to be proud of our national language. And the, if you look at the state of Irish, the Irish language from the time I started mm -hmm. to where we are now, we have mm -hmm. come so far. We are in such a good place. Mm -hmm. And it's the same old people on the keyboards that will say, what about Irish shouldn't be taught? What about Irish shouldn't be taught? Mm -hmm. What about Irish? I'll say, what about geography? What about people not even able to do project maths? Why is history nobody wants to take mm, history anymore yeah. why don't we talk about the other subjects that are failing the teenagers of this country because they're not being taught right I don't care if you don't have if, if you have a good teacher if they're teaching you Swahili you'll have a good teacher the problem doesn't lie with the Irish language the problem lies with teachers in general and the way subjects are being taught but nobody ever knocks geography nobody ever knocks history nobody ever says why are we learning Sp you know they always have a good dig at the Irish mm. language no yeah, one ever says it. take a week off the summer holidays or, or start school half an hour earlier no, the language is in such a good place and yeah, so many yeah. people stop me in the street and go, my teacher used to put on your shows. Yeah. Yeah. You got me through the leaving cert. Yeah. You got me on the, I did your, I did yeah. your question for the, how, that's, I can yeah. never dream. Can never I'm, I'm delighted people tell you that because it's important. Like, you know mm. what I mean? The role yeah. that, that you played in, and yeah. this is very cliched, but in making Irish cooler than it used to be. I won't say you made Irish cool single-handedly. No, I didn't. But making Irish cooler than it used to be and giving people mm. something in the mainstream to look at that like I'm looking at this because it's good yeah. it yeah. happens to be an Irish yeah. but I'm looking at this because Jesus this is good telly yeah. like this is good telly we were in the Playboy Mansion mm -hmm. you know I'll never forget it we got we I did three shows way back in the day in, in Los Angeles the first was to hang around with a load of Klingons mm -hmm. people who believe they're Klingons yeah. at a sci-fi convention in the San Fernando Valley yeah. so Listen, it's another minority language right <laughs> <laughs> We got to throw a lot of respect in the direction of Cronos. So, right, check this out. We're in the Holiday Inn in San Fernando Valley, over the hills from Hollywood, and I have to go up. So I said, "Roll the camera." We have to go up and meet this family from Texas or somewhere in room six one seven. So I go. And I open the door and there's a load of Klingons in there. <laughs> the dad is dressed as a Klingon. The mom is a Klingon. Captain, kapa, kapa. I started speaking Klingon. Then the kids come out. Of, they're all Klingons. Then we go down the hallway. There's more Klingons. Then we walk out of the hotel and there's all stormtroopers. And then they saw Darth Vader. And it was, it was just, so that was one of the first, that was the first week. Class. The second week then was the Playboy Mansion where I got access all areas in the Playboy Mansion. Can you imagine a lad from Navin in Beverly Hills <laughs> <laughs> giving it the Navin walk up to a massive big gate. I'll never forget this on the show. We said, roll. 
there was a massive boulder with the keyboards and a, and a camera screen to, mm. to see who you were. So you have to speak into this boulder at the gate. So I go up to this big rock and I go, hit the buzzer. And they're like going, hello. I say, yeah, it's Hector for Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> Hector, one second, please. And we're outside the Playboy Mansion. And then Hugh said, come on in, Hector. <laughs> and next minute, the gates of the Playboy Mansion go. <laughs> and I walk up around the bend to see it. And uh, great moment. But later on that, that day, as you say about the using our language that I'm only a couple of yards when I can say what I want to. Holly, who was his favourite girl at the time, he had mm. 12 bunnies in there. She got, she was dressed up in all the gear and the bunny gear and she, he was there. Hector, uh, Holly's going to come in and she's going to show you, give you a tour of the Playboy Mansion and Holly came in and I was going, oh my word, this is incredible. And Holly said, come on Hector, I'm going to show you around. So we went round the zoo into the games room and showed me the bedrooms and showed me the library and then she said let's come outside I'll show you the grotto because at the time <laughs> that Playboy Mansion was a reality show yeah, mm. and the grotto was where the stars have their parties and stuff at the pool and I knew the grotto you had to swim on it where you can get a little bit one on one and it's a very cosy little private area you yeah. have to swim in underneath in the swimming pool so we're walking down towards the grotto and she's there Hector this is where Hugh has his pool parties which are legendary you can have all the Hollywood stars here I mean we had a big party last Saturday night and I there, can you show me the grotto? Because I knew all, all <laughs> yeah. the boys are nabbing to be going, Where's the grotto? Grotto, where's the grotto? Do you get him the grotto? So she goes, and Hector, you might have seen this on the show, but this is the grotto where you can swim in underneath. It's a very relaxing area where people have a bit of privacy. And I turned to the camera and I went, I'd say you could do some damage in there. <laughs> and she goes, Oh my god, Hector, was something broken down there? <laughs> <laughs> Play on words. And then the following week, I did a set, a show on the set of Shishi Larue, the star of Porno Valley, the director. I went on the set of a porn movie for Vivid mm -hmm. Productions, one of the biggest porn producers in America. And I was invited onto set with Sunrise Adams and Mercedes, two massive porn stars, and a couple of young lads from X Army. And I was invited in, and I'm standing there in the middle of a full blown porn set, porn movie with full crew, knowing full well my mother and all the relations. <laughs> <laughs> and the grannies and everyone's watching this I guess we should have Bula Lahar or TG Kahar <laughs> Bula Lahar or TG Kahar Bula Lahar or TG Kahar there was a lot of decades of the rosary but you couldn't get away with that, that like, <laughs> like, but I suppose bringing the Irish language into different situations yeah. you know I could never you could never mm. imagine stuff like that not even any language, whether whether it was for Channel Four, or whatever. I suppose mm. we were we were. That's why it was quirky at the time, yeah. and that's mm. what we did. Yeah, yeah was, you were saying before, like only Gwelgory watch your shows, but I feel like it's everyone that watches mm. your shows because they're so unique and they're so like just cool. Just mm. yeah, vibrant. I suppose it's the topics. It's the topics, and it's the type of stuff we do, mm. and uh, we don't. There's no boundaries, and. Uh, and it's grown and, and, and I can't believe that we're still doing it. And, and last year was incredible as well. You know, we're speaking about years and years ago, but to do that trip through Siberia in winter and Mongolia, we, uh, we have, there's a word in Irish called brodul. And Tom, it's called brodul on Shrahan Vlian Sakacha. It's Siberia, Mongolia, Western China, Stokka, Nepal, Shiska, Bangladesh, Myanmar. That is the one. You know, when people stop me and this is, these are the, these are, these are my, the people, if they stop me in the supermarket or at a petrol station and they say, Hector, love that show. That m makes me feel a million dollars 
I'm 20 foot high. I love it yeah. when people come up to me wherever. Last year's was, was amazing. A I taxi love, driver, a taxi yeah. driver said to me last year in Dublin, and I was getting out of the taxi and he said, this is, and this is something you can't put your finger on. Mm -hmm. He said, Hector, you're never paying in my taxi for as long as you live because you have brought me so much joy with your TV shows on TG Car. I nearly started crying, man. Mm -hmm. And I was just going, what a beautiful human thing to do. First of all, just to do something like that. And then I got out of the car and I went, I think that's the reason we're on the planet. And uh, I felt a million dollars. To get free taxi rides. Free taxi rides. Yeah. <laughs> in Dublin. In Dublin. <laughs> I was getting out there going, fuck you, really? No, but what a lovely moment. You'll yeah. never pay for a taxi because yeah. you make me laugh. And that's, yeah. isn't that awesome. a lovely thing? That is yeah, lovely. That is really They're lovely. the nice things that's humans so nice. can do. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Last year's was, was, was incredible, particularly Mongolia. Yeah. Like, that's a culture that's just so alien to to our own sort of settled sedentary sitting by the fire watching a bit of telly kind of culture you go over there to this this this, this culture that has basically been revolving around the nomadic lifestyle and the horse for thousands of years yes. it's incredible like I mean yeah. what kind of a culture shock is it to spend time with people who live in a way that you, you couldn't possibly imagine yourself living never forget that when we came through Siberia and we took the Trans-Siberian through part of Siberia first of all the journey we took from Dublin to Frankfurt Frankfurt to Moscow and then seven hours into Siberia from Moscow across five time zones wow. but then we took the Trans-Siberian for 29 hours across by Lake Baikal and then we got off of the Mongolian border and we picked, our guy picked us up in this battered old land cruiser. It was minus 26. We're stuffing all the stuff into the back and we're heading towards the, Mon the Mongolian border. The Russian-Mongolian border. Because Siberia is a county in Russia. It's quite a big county. It's bigger <laughs> than America. But we got to the border of Siberia and Mongolia and for eight hours we sat in the jeep and watched guys in Russian full military gear with breathing cold air Everything that you had, the perceptions of a Russian border patrol and border check, it was that Alsatians putting the, the mirror under the car, checking, and then they would go, move! And we'd go another 50 yards to another checkpoint. And then they were in typing in the serial numbers of the camera on an old typewriter. And then they'd push us on another 100 yards, more gates. It was like, and then finally, we got into Mongolia, which is five times the size of France and three million people. And then Mongolia just opened up in front of our eyes and Mother Nature opened up in front of our eyes. And I, I, met, I met such simple, beautiful, nomadic people who don't care about Wi-Fi, who just care about mm. surviving, who can survive in minus 35. The first night we slept in a yurt in the middle of Mongolia. The men aren't allowed to touch the fire. There's a stove. So we were in, a, mm. we were in the yurt beside it. So the woman of the house would come in every five hours and just put on a block or two blocks of wood. And we were like little babies in minus 35. We, I was kicking the sleeping bag off. We were roasting. <laughs> they were giving us little nips of vodka. They were offering us everything. They were smiling and shaking hands. And they were a beautiful people. And, and, and last year has taught me no more than a lot of other places where I've been like in Africa, the humility and, and I've learned an awful lot about shaking hands, giving a hug, karma and being nice to people and that's mm. what they thrive on. They don't care about anything that we're caught up in over here because it's another world. 
and it's very hard to explain another world but we try and do that on our TV show I think you do it well I do, yeah. Think, yeah. I do yeah. think you impart it well like it is it's it's a little window into into other people's cultures and it's a little mirror into our own as well like you know the the whole Irishman abroad the fish out of water thing it works mm-hmm. you know what I mean because you are given your experience and you're saying like that's the shuck rack like, yeah. I can't, <laughs> I can't yeah. be dealing with this but 100 years 50 years ago in Ireland you know the door was open the kettle was on there was a handshake for strangers there was a smile for strangers mm-hmm. we're living in a world now where we don't take our eyes up off the, the pavement and yep. if somebody talks to you who's a stranger it's whoa 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 why yeah. are you what are we what's this all oh, about they're probably trying to get you to sign up for a charity or something you know, like, <laughs> we used to we used to be we, we used to be we used to be a lot like that and I'm not saying it's all changed I'm not trying to be you know like that but it's just these people in these places have very little but yet they're so rich in what they have because what they have is meaningful me, yeah. yeah, they've got a lot of stuff. And Bangladesh, man, what a city. Dhaka, people living on a dollar a day. On, mm. You know, a dollar a day. Dhaka. It's unreal. You know, it's in, we've been in incredible places, but I really think that yeah, a handshake and a smile and conversation goes a long way no matter what part of the world you're mm. in. Definitely. Definitely. So... Uh, the new show, the, yeah. yeah, the new show yeah. is uh, is Hector Costa 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 Costa. Uh, Gaki hits early in our TG car, half past nine, uh, and we're very proud of it. It's four hundred minutes through, through all the well, way through. You said eight states. What was the route you took? Hey, we started in Savannah uh, on the on the Atlantic, and then we drove to uh, Georgia and into Alabama up and down Alabama and across Alabama into Mississippi and we followed the Mississippi River then for a long, long time and all I could think of was Tom Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer and that great river that brought us down towards the end of Mississippi into Louisiana, mm. across Louisiana into Texas. Texas is huge. Then finally we got to El Paso. Mm. Excuse me. And then we went into another world of desert and hippies and Breaking Bad, New Mexico. <laughs> and then we went into Arizona and then we went to Southern California and the ganja plantations. And I did some great stories on CBD and the THC and the $10 billion industry that is cannabis mm. and the the way that it is. We're at this cusp of a revolution regarding marijuana, finally, mm. where, where the states have woken up and California is the leader in that. And eventually the world will wake up to the potential and the health benefits of marijuana. Yeah. You can get to Colorado this time then, No, no. Color, no, they, they they follow California. California were the mm. ones. I was in a town called Hot Springs in California. Mm. Palm Springs is this cousin. It's in the Coachella Valley where you know the Coachella concert happens. Mm. But this little town has now got 15 or 20 of the biggest ganja factories in America supplying mm. the dispensaries who are, whether you want CBD or you want THC or you just want to smoke normal ganja or you've got eczema or you have Parkinson's or you have rheumatoid arthritis or you have seizures or your little girl has a problem. It's seizures like the woman who had to walk from County Cork to Dahl Aaron for her daughter who was having seizures four and five times a day and the Gardaí were raiding our house to take away the CBD oil. Mm. We've got to get real. Luckily, CBD is now available in Ireland. Mm. There's a revolution happening and we've touched on that on the show as well in the world of ganja. Excellent. 420, blaze it. 420. <laughs> <laughs> that's the last boy saying, who's got the skins? <laughs> well, Heck, I you do, that you do the 12 skin on yeah, yeah. Hector, <laughs> who's got the knives? Where's the hot knives, boy? <laughs> Someone out in the kitchen with the hot knives. <laughs> oh, Jeff, a hot rock. <laughs> hot rocks. My God. Oh, God. Yeah. Hector, we like to ask all our guests what their favourite Irish word is. 
Oh, oh, I think we have to stick with this one. I stick with, you know, I started saying mass more to go to Makati and Posse, mass more respect. But I think on today's conversation, Bula Lahar. Just listen to the sound of that. I've never I've never been more grateful for the fact the podcasts aren't a visual medium. So, you, so nobody had to see the Navin walk, nobody had to see the Bula Lahar. <laughs> Do we explain Bula Lahar to the audience? Yeah, I think we might Smacking just, leather. No, we might just hang it there. Like. <laughs> cut, cut. Listen, good night, we live our mother folklogs. Mass Mora, Asokta Nubra, Wilshivadzenev, August on Rem, Urnu, a shot of the end of Lesham podcast. August, uh, Mass Mora, Gulamakadian, Mother Folklore Posse. Hop. Garamila, I'm all good, Hector. You're an inspiration to us all. Garamila. So, until next time, slant from me. A slant from me. August slant, Wemsha. You what? Whoop. What a great guest. We are so glad to have Hector O'Hogagon today. <laughs> no, we were, it was absolutely delight for us to have Hector in today. Uh, we cannot wait to watch Hector USA, Ocosta de Costa every Thursday night. Gok Derdin. Gok Derdin. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Hector coming in today. And thank you at home or on the on the bus or on the train, wherever you are with your headphones on. Thank you for joining us. We think you're lovely. Yeah, you're our favourite. Mother Foxlore <laughs> is podcast on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Please rate and review wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, thanks a million to Brian for production. He does a hell of a job week in, week out. Hector was talking about what it's like to have amazing people working on your show. We couldn't do anything without Brian here. Game respects game. <laughs> game recognized game baby and Brian yeah. got game and thanks as well to Kirsten Shield for the amazing art she's not just a fantastic podcast guest as you will have mm-hmm. known from last week's episode she is an amazing artist and we're so lucky yeah. to have her she's a legend and I want to double mention that get rating us on Apple Podcasts wherever you do because it does seem to feed into their mis- mysterious secret sauce of how what shows get recommended what shows get into their charts they won't tell us yeah. How? So we can't game the system. All we can do is ask you. Yeah. Be Dark trying to get or. paid, yo. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. A little bit of game. If if you want to contact the show, you can email us at motherfucklore at headstuff.org. And we'll see you next week. Slan. Slan Gafo. Slan. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. You can drift into Dr. Phil's world. <laughs>